Hey, welcome back everyone. This is Jason from Cornerstone Dog Training and CornerstonePuppy.com. And I was thinking this other, this last week, I have a two-year-old and this two-year-old is at that stage. You know the stage if you've ever had kids where when I do something, let's say I'm pushing him in a swing and I go in front and I, I act like he's knocking me over or something like that. He just belly laughs, right? He loves it. He loves things like that. Or uh, you grab them and you, you toss them up in the air and catch them. And at first it takes their breath away and they're, they're kind of scared. But they're like, do it again. Do it again. And when they realize that at this stage as a two-year-old, when they realize that they have the power to impact your reaction to something, they kind of get really excited about it. Like, I can do this. I can push this button and this result happens. And they love it. They love that 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 feeling. Well, this uh, last couple days, I've gotten a couple of messages on Instagram um, from two different people in different areas of the country, um, one in California and one in Utah, with similar issues, but also a little different. And I, I love, it means so much to me when somebody says, hey, I, I love your podcast. Thank you for doing that. And so they 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 mentioned that and um and another person saying hey is there any way to get the book so in answer to the question yes if you go to cornerstonepuppy.com forward slash info um that link should <laughs> should take you to where you can get the book and i believe it's uh 14.95 now and that includes shipping and handling but uh the, that's the puppy book for puppies that are under five months old that's another message that came in. This doesn't happen like every day, right? It's not like every day that somebody says, I love your podcast. And it's, I don't feel like when I started this podcast, I didn't want it to be um, a whole bunch of advertisements. And really it started with me um, driving home from teaching school and I would put the phone in my pocket and record uh, just my thoughts as, as I drove. And now I'm able to kind of sit down and really talk through some things and sometimes even do an outline. But this time I, I just wanted to take a moment and, and answer these questions. And I love it. You're always welcome to, to get on Instagram and message questions. And uh, sometimes there's maybe already a podcast on it. But I, I, I just I feel for uh, people in this situation. So Debbie from California. Thank you, Debbie, for reaching out. She says, my 16-week-old German shepherd pup is going through the very bitey teething phase. Yes, 16 weeks. And here's, <laughs> here's the bad news is it's probably going to get worse, at least for the next four weeks. I know this is normal for shepherds because I have had many. In the past, I have just tried substituting other things, which only partly worked because they prefer my moving pant legs. <laughs> The pup is especially, this pup is especially bitey and is going after my grandkids' legs and arms all in play. I have been crating him when it gets to be too much or when he won't leave me alone and I need to do stuff. He gets a lot of exercise, long walks and frequent play sessions, but my grandkids and I are bleeding from his puppy teeth. Any advice? Um, Debbie, again, thank you so much for reaching out and I hope this is helpful. But I, I love this stage. The, the, the four-month stage is when a dog really starts to come out of their shell. I did a consultation uh, with a three, three-and-a-half-month-old puppy yesterday, and 
I always, I think I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I always love when someone's like, oh, they already heal with me. Like, they, they don't need to learn how to heal. This dog just automatically does it. And that's good news, but it's probably not going to last more than a few more weeks because uh, once your dog gets a little older and definitely into that adolescent stage, then they start to say, you know what, I'm going to branch out a little bit. And that's a good thing. We, we want our we want our dogs to be able to stand on their own, I was going to say own two feet, but I guess it's own two feet a little bit, and be able to do their own thing. And so they need to go through this process, and we need to help guide them through it so that they can have a good experience and understand boundaries and still work together with us and be a team with us, but also grow. So 16 weeks, Debbie is tough. And a bitey German Shepherd is tough. And I love what you put in in your question because, yes, it is normal that, you know, their teeth are, are changing. And so uh, sometimes they have uh, tingly teeth or, you know, it's it, it just itchy and, and that will change as they go in. But a lot of times it's behavioral as well because puppies love to feel strong, just like my two-year-old. They love to feel strong and in control. And if you've ever watched a bunch of puppies together, you know that, because what are they doing? They're sitting there and they're they're teeth fencing, they're teeth fighting together, right? Teeth play. And uh, trying to pin the other dog and roll them over and they're getting on their back and throwing their paws up at the other dog that's on top. And they're playing that game. They're trying to feel strong and competent which is what we want for them as well. But when they come home and they get to about this stage, it's all of a sudden it's like, hey, um, I can be pushy and kind of get what I want. And so if I do this, then will this happen? So I have another another son who is seven, and he's at that stage where he's he's kind of taking this in in a negative way, right? Where he wants to push the button to see if he if he can get his five-year-old brother to scream and if you as a parent it, it's kind of it's kind of frustrating but you you can watch from afar and you can see him smile when he gets him to scream right because you know he's like I push this button I do this and this reaction happens and I don't feel like it's a, especially with our kids I don't feel like it's really a mean thing and we'll keep working to teach him you know to be kind and not to 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 bug his little brothers and things like that, but it's more of like a discovery. And I think when you hit 14 weeks, that's about where it happens. Dogs go through the same thing where it's like, look, I, I'm powerful. And maybe I'm even more powerful than, than mom and dad. Maybe I'm even more powerful than these guys. And, and to be totally honest, in a lot of respects, they are. I mean, those teeth are sharp. They're like little, little dinosaur teeth, right? They're sharp. And so they can kind of get their way and be, be pushy if they figure out that their teeth are, are a method for that. I also love, Debbie, that you put on there that, uh, that we've tried substituting other things which only partly worked. It's true. It will only partly work. It, w- it does not work. Substituting other toys and other things to chew on doesn't work to get rid of or inhibit the behavior. It just kicks the can down the road, right? So maybe it works because you do that long enough until your dog's like, okay, I don't really care about chewing on arms anymore. Uh, but maybe not. 
it doesn't really change behavior. It's kind of like using the kennel as well. The, the kennel is a great management tool at the puppy stage, and they can be in the kennel quite a bit at that stage because they're growing mentally and physically a lot. They need a lot of rest. But it, it's a management tool. It helps us with management through this process, not so much the training end. So on the training end, Debbie, this is what you need to do. Of course, you can use positive reinforcement and you can say, all right, we're going to train other things like sit and down. And you, if you have a really bitey dog that lunges for that food, then you want to pull that food away and get them to start trying to hold still a little bit. We, we, adrenaline is a two-edged sword. So if, if I'm using positive reinforcement and there's high energy and this dog is being really pushy about getting the food and things like that, then that's not good either, right? We want to teach them to have impulse control and start to hold back. So you, with the food, one of your key parts as the handler is to make sure that the adrenaline level is high enough that we're having fun, but low enough that it's not uh, pushy or teaching bad behaviors like now entitlement, right? I have to get this food and you, you know, I'm going to bite your finger off while you do it. One of the times, one of the few times I've ever been bit by a dog and it drew blood was teaching a puppy because the puppy lunged up for the food and that little razor tooth caught my, the the tip of my finger. And, uh, because it was just really fast. So you use that positive end, but there's also the other side. And this is what, um, some people don't like to acknowledge. The other side is the correction side. And a four month old puppy is not too young to be corrected. Now the question is, and this is where the debate always lands, is what is what is a proper correction? The hard part is, is we don't speak dog and we don't know, but we can we can find a correction that inhibits the behavior. So what our, our method of choice is the slip lead. We like to use the slip lead, and in our puppy program we always include a slip lead. It's just a rope that goes back over itself, and the ones we use I really really like because. Uh, a lot of the ones you'll buy in stores have, have, they have a little ring at the end that comes back around and it's just a rope that, you know, it's kind of shaped like a nine and it will tighten and loosen. And the goal isn't to strangle your dog. The goal is for the, the rope to be tight for a split second, as short as possible, and then loose again. And you want it to be, you want it to fall loose. And so when I'm training with a dog like if it or, or even if this dog is just being bitey then i'm going to flick the leash over the dog's head away from me <laughs> away from the bait or the target and if you need two people to help you do that it's pretty easy like even sometimes i <laughs> sometimes i even have my kids stand there because i know the dog is not going to be able to go further than the rope because i'm holding it but you don't need them to get super close if they're saying no i'm going to go nip those pant legs and I'm going to flick it out away from me if they're going to go nip somebody else and I'm going to flick it back behind me and it really is if you've ever flicked a towel it's kind of like that motion except maybe in reverse it's like you're flicking a towel at yourself and that's the hardest part is getting the technique right because it's not just that I'm going to pull the leash toward me I've got to push my hand away from me so that it goes loose again and that's really key that we trust the tool and we do that flick. Now, with a, with a German Shepherd, four-month-old German Shepherd, that, you know, what level do you do? Well, the key is that, again, it's quick 
and then you let the dog determine the level. Let the puppy determine the level. So if I'm gonna flick and I'm gonna start kind of light, and if the puppy goes back at it, it's like I'm gonna sink those teeth into your arm, and again, it just in play, I get it, it's just play, but then I'm gonna flick it and say, no, this is not, not fun, right? If I have a child, one of my kids are, they're playing with their friends, but their friend's not having very much fun, or their sibling, then it's gonna, I'm gonna say, look, it doesn't look like they're having fun. That's not play to them. And to understand that boundary is a huge part of living in society and a huge part of teaching our dogs to live with us in society as well. And we might say, like a lot of people will say, they'll just grow out of it. I, I hate it when I hear that phrase when, oh, it's just a phase, they'll grow out of it. Yeah, maybe in a year or two, but that's a lot of blood to lose. So the, you can teach this now and you can help your puppy now. And the level of, of flick and intensity is based on them and whether they stop the behavior or not. And they will stop if, if we're doing it right. And sometimes there's probably, there may be video on the Instagram page or there's definitely video at cornerstonepuppy.com if you want to go be part of that program. But you don't have to. You, could, you can probably figure it out on your own and, and start to get that flick just right um, and use the leash correctly for that. So a slip lead is what they're called. And uh, it's just a rope that goes back over itself. That's my favorite tool in this situation. And I, I have it on a puppy a lot because I want to be able to teach them that it's directional and not just correctional. But here we're talking about correction. And it, it's going to be a valuable thing to teach your German Shepherd. So Debbie, I hope that's very, very helpful. I wanted to jump to another one. This actually came in without, within the last 24 hours as well. And this is from, uh, from Gabriella. And she's here in Utah. And she just says this. She says, hi, I was wondering if you guys help with issues such as biting and nipping. Our dog is eight months old. It's a lab. And has serious issues with biting and nipping. We are in desperate need for help. He is currently going to another trainer but we've been told that they can't do anything about the biting because he doesn't behave like that when he's with them. Like I said, we are in desperate need because we don't want to give him away, but we also can't handle the biting and nipping anymore. Please let me know if you guys are able to help. I will add some videos below. Uh, our dog will bite for any reason at any time, and it's very constant. And I watched the videos. It is incessant. This eight-month-old lab is incessant and is doing the same thing. So the reason I bring this up, um, Gabriella and Debbie, is that, you know, if we don't teach this boundary, sometimes it just escalates into this situation that Gabby's experiencing. And, or Gabriella, sorry. And, and yes, it's, it, I watched the video. It is really constant. This is a horrible situation for them. And it is play but it's starting to turn into more and it's starting to, to be like, I can get what I want and I can push, push you around. And it's something that is really, what's really interesting to me. And I, Gabriella, when you say uh, eight months old, so you're at an adolescent stage with your dog. Um, and this is, this is a really pushy adolescent dog. Um, desperate's a good word i thought you were maybe being a little extreme and then i watched the videos and yeah you're in a bad situation here and this is 
I will not badmouth other trainers, but I, I don't like a trainer saying we can't do anything about it because he's not doing it when he's with us. Our job as trainers is to be able to teach you how to be able to do any of, you know, any of the same things because, and, and as a trainer, I know that a dog's going to react differently at our training facility, but if it's principle-based training, which is why this podcast is called puppy training principles, if it's principle-based training, then it works in any situation, not just, uh, we can, we can teach it at our training facility. We can teach it online and you can go home and you can do the same technique and the same process and it will work. And so there, again, Gabriella, the big thing you need is you need to be able to do a correction. Now, your dog's eight months old. So when a puppy is over five months old, then we graduate to what's called a prong collar. And prong collars get a bad rap because sometimes, well, they look like torture tools. They look horrible. They look uh, scary. Don't get a crappy one. Crappy ones aren't good. Um, the only kind I buy is a Herm Springer prong collar. That's the only kind I buy because I know that they're good. And they're not sharp because they're not a crappy one. And they look like a metal, they, they look like a metal torture tool. But if you understand how dogs work, and this will come back to, to help Debbie as well, if you understand that dogs have a reflex called opposition reflex, we've talked about it lots of times on the podcast, where they feel pressure and their brain tells them to lean into it. And definitely, it's the same in an adolescent stage. I think all teenagers in the world have opposition reflex in some way, shape, or form. Because it's that kind of attitude where they, they feel pressure and they're like, okay, well, then I'm going to push against it. And you can watch dogs everywhere you go that are exhibiting this reflex. And a lot of times as humans, we get frustrated because we don't know that we're encouraging it. And so with a leash, and I know this isn't about a do dog's pulling, this is about nipping. So these, both of these dogs probably are, the issue is they're off leash um, or the leash is tight. Um, but in the videos that I saw from Gabriella, the dog was off leash. And this dog is just saying, I can get what I want. I can be pushy and I can get what I want. And it's kind of a fun adrenaline rush for this dog. Make, you know, for sure, when dogs bite something, it feels good. And whether that's your arm or a toy or uh, in play, there's endorphins that are released and it feels good. And so that's why we want to work with this now because if we keep going down this road and that bite, you know, after doing it so much, it doesn't, you know, you gotta get more of a high. It's kind of like a drug. And so they're gonna start to bite more or they could bite more. I don't want to scare anybody because it doesn't always happen that way, but they're, they're going to bite more and harder and it's going to feel good and they're going to get what they want from it because if they want, you know, if they want you to play more or to react or to jump backwards and they say, oh, I feel so powerful, then it works because it hurts when a dog bites you. So the same, in this same situation, you, you can do it at home, you can make it work and yes, there's a way through this, but you, I would use a prong collar here. And you would be surprised how fast, if, if your trainer's saying he doesn't do it with us, my guess is this dog will change really fast. That, that your dog will say, oh, you're talking to me now. And I wouldn't be surprised if your dog also gets a little more pushy and says, oh, hey, you can't tell me what to do. 
And we're not going to be mean about it, but we're just going to say, well, we have this boundary and biting my arm and biting my face and biting my back and bite is not appropriate. I have a boundary, a bubble, right? <laughs> and that bubble is going to stay in place. So the correction side of things, when you get, get in the dog training world, you get people that go one way and they say, oh, it's all reward. And that's not real life. And then you get some people that go all the other way and sit and it's all correction. And that's not real life either. So we're looking for a balanced approach. And this in this podcast, we're really talking mostly about the one end of things um, and not so much about the food end of it, although we talked about that a little bit. So Gabriella, yes, we can help you. Yes, there's hope. Um, and using a prong collar and using it correctly because any tool used wrong is a bad tool. Any tool used wrong is a bad tool. A hammer can be used inappropriately. In fact, my seven-year-old used a hammer inappropriately just the other day. I woke up or I got, I got home and I, I went out to our wood deck and he was digging for gold with the hammer on our deck. Yeah. Yeah. He's tearing our deck up. <laughs> and he said there was money in the boards. He's pretty sure that he was going to find it. And I love that kid because he's always go, go, go. But yeah, there's parts of our deck that are now <laughs> torn up. Okay, so that a hammer used wrong is a bad tool. A prong, cooler gets, a prong collar gets a bad rap because a lot of people don't know how to use it right. And if, uh, if you need video help, you can always search on YouTube. There'll be lots of trainers that will help you take a balanced approach to training and be able to use both. And that's real training. That's principle-based training. Um, that's exactly how you're going to, to find peace again and be able to help your dog go to the next level and not stay in a juvenile state. So for both of you, thank you so much for reaching out. I love it when people reach out and ask questions, and I hope this podcast is helpful to you. Um, it's all in that technique, in, in pressure release and understanding how a dog's brain works, that we're going to be able to say no. And no is a wonderful, wonderful word. I used to teach my students um, in high school the value of the word no. So if you want to look from a positive-only perspective, um, I, would <laughs> I would have my students come and I would have them, I, we'd have one person be the dog and one person be the trainer. And we would have the dog step outside for a little bit and we would decide as a class what we wanted the trainer to teach them to do. And we tried to keep it simple. Usually it was like stand on top of a desk or crawl underneath a desk or something like that. And then the, we'd invite the dog back in and we'd have the dog at the back of the room and I would tell the trainer, I'd say, okay, listen, your job is to teach this dog to do what we decided, but you can only say the word yes. You can only give you know, that positive feedback, only say the word yes. And can you do it? Yeah, except usually it's really, really frustrating, not only for the trainer, but also for the dog. And in this case, the human <laughs> that is being the dog. It's really frustrating. And they start walking around and they'll say yes. And they're like, okay. And they can't tilt their head or look or point or anything. They just try and say the word yes, which is really what when we're doing positive training, we're trying to get our dogs to do. And it has its place, okay? I'm not going to badmouth it because it has its place. It's just not the fix for everything. 
And so being able to just and so they'll get you're basically playing a hot cold game and that dog's getting closer and closer and they'll get really close to it, but then it's super hard to take it to the next level and to to get them to do that without saying anything like no. And so then they'll start going the opposite direction. How nice is it to be able to say, uh, no, don't go that way. And they're like, oh, okay. Yes, go that way. Yes, go that way. <laughs> and again, if you're a really good trainer, you can, you can do pretty well at, at teaching a dog with just positive only behavior and, and training. But there's still room for a correction and correction isn't always bad. Correction can also be direction. And as they're young, um, use correction in that way. Use it as, you know, teach what the word no means. The word no is a beautiful wor word and saves so much time. It will save so much frustration for you and for your dog. And we can keep our attitude positive and at the same time teach these boundaries. Just because, just because you're using a correction doesn't mean you have to be authoritative or heavy-handed or anything like that. Just teach that pressure release, use the leash, the, the slip lead or a prong collar, and that will be a, a, a beautiful start to be able to say the word no and to change this behavior so you can grow into other areas. Hope this is helpful. Thank you guys again for reaching out. I really appreciate the questions. Anybody, always welcome to reach out. And if we feel like it, we might even throw it into a podcast because it's fun to talk about these things and I love helping you guys out. So God bless and happy training.